Praise the name of the Lord. Thriving at work. This is one journey I'm praying that you will not forget in, in a hurry. In Jesus' name. I'm, I'm praying that, that God himself will breathe upon us and, and, and teach us his word himself. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thriving at work. Thriving at, at work. Now, um, statistics show that 40% of our waking moments. Do we all have the outlines? We have the outlines? Okay. Um, for those joining us for Thrive for the very first time, um, this is a teaching session you are in, so we are going to be um, writing. To make it easy for you, we've provided an outline, and you can just fill in the blanks as we go along. Praise the name of the Lord. We work most of our time, you know, 40% statistically of our waking moment, waking hours we spend at work. And for the average person, that, that would mean about 150,000 hours for a lifetime. 150,000, I mean, and that is a lot. We spend our, at, at work. So work dominates our time. For a lot of people, it is work that determines the look, their location, uh, where they stay, where they live. Invariably, the weather they are subject to, the friends they, they, they can make, is work that determines it. Just very few people um, um, don't determine their location by their work. Most people determine. So if, if you wake up tomorrow and your organization says, okay, uh, we are posting you to Kafanchan, many people really won't have a choice, but they say, okay. Kafanchan, here I come. So, for us to thrive at work is very crucial. It's, it's so, so crucial to God. It's crucial to God that we thrive at work. So, God wants us to thrive at work. But, interestingly, in some countries of the world, particularly the Western countries, some governments actually pay you not to work. In fact, if you don't have a job, they put you on a welfare system and, and they send you checks every month and they pay you for watching TV and, and, and playing games. I know some of you are saying, oh man, how come I'm not in that country? How come Nigeria is just not like that? You are going to discover that it is actually not an advantage. It is not an Advantage. In fact, in our culture, some, some beggars actually believe it is more profitable to beg than to work. They say to you, why should I beg? The, the person that is working is making um, 40000 a month. I'm making roughly 85000 So why should I beg? Why should I work? In fact, past, I was um, riding with Pastor Richard Rezi. Pastor Richard is not here. He's outside. Okay. Anyway, um, he came to pick me from the, from the airport and, and we were talking and he was, he was telling me how some people rent out their babies per day to beggars. So you, they have a baby, they rent it out to a beggar, the, baby, the beggar will carry, out, carry the baby and be begging for money, and they will come and make returns. I mean, people do all sorts of things to get ahead, 
to get money. Some people, some people steal. I'm sure you know that. Some people do f- what we call 419. I'm sure they are not in this church, are they? Some, some people um, do all sorts of things. So it is not that kind of work I'm talking about. It's not that kind of work I'm talking about. I'm talking about honorable work. Everyone say honorable work. <laughs> and that is, that is what God is about to teach us how to thrive by working honorably. So the, the question, again, is why do you work? Why do I work? This same question was asked about 3,000 years ago by, by Solomon, Ecclesiastes, in Ecclesiastes 3, 9. That is our text for today. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 9. Solomon said, what do people really get for all their hard work? What do people really get for all their hard work? In other words, with all the hard work, what do people really get? So, if they've been asking this same question like 3,000 years ago, and we're asking it now, and of course the answers are in the Word of God, and God is going to show us the answers today in Jesus' name. So, before, before we even get to the answers, let's, let's ask ourselves, why do, why do you work? Why do you wake up and go to work? Don't give me any... Um, it is written in the book of Leviticus chapter... No, 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 no. Why... Let yourself us with the mics. Why do you work? Why do you work? Who is working? You work, right? Okay. There hand, there's a hand there. Why do you work? Why do you work? Right here. You're in the wrong aisle. Why do you work? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I work so as to earn my daily living. So as to earn um, daily living, daily bread. Should, should we say daily bread? <laughs> okay. Daily. My handwriting is horrible. That's why I write in caps. I'm sure you know why. <laughs> but it's better than some medical doctor's handwriting. Believe me. True or false? So, doctors, no offense. So, why do you work? Thank you, um, Ma. Why do you work? Why do you work? Yes, there's a hand right there. Tell us. Why do you work? Why do you work? Why do you work? I work to survive. To survive. Thank you. To survive. I work to survive. Why do you work? Maybe two more. Yeah, okay, there's a hand there. Why do you work, sir? I work because my work defines me as a person. You, you get your identity from your work? Yes. Okay. Um, I work for identity. Okay, one more person. Why do I work? Why do I work? Yes, sir. Why do I work? I work to fulfill my destiny. I work to fulfill my destiny. You, you go to God's room house. <laughs> to fulfill my destiny. Okay. Um, okay, let's take one more. That is not very churchy. Why do I work? Why do I work? Why? Yes. There's a hand right there at the back. Right there. Why do I work? Why do I work? It's on. To keep away boredom and um, idleness. To keep a... To keep away boredom and idleness. Oh, to get rid of boredom and idleness. Get rid of boredom and 
idleness. To get rid of boredom and idleness. And, you know, the, we can go on and on. So which, what some of you did not say here is, why you work is to pay bills. <laughs> you work to pay bills. <laughs> you know? And, you know, sometimes... That's, that's just how we work. That's just why we work. And we don't, we don't really step back and see why does God want us to work? Why does God want you and I to work? And we, we work all our lives doing the things we don't like so that we can stop working when we retire and we won't have energy to do anything else. Stop some of the things we like. So you, you work to, for your daily bread to survive, to get rid of boredom, and to pay bills, and to fulfill your destiny, and to, to, to derive your identity from, from your work. Why does the Bible say we work, or we should work? Why should we work? Today, we are laying a foundation. And, you know, because we need to really get this going before we begin to put blocks on it. Why do we work? We have six reasons why we work. We're going to explain, after going through the six reasons why we work, we're going to explain the difference between your job and, and your call, and the dynamics of the job and the call, and will be done. Why work? Number one, work is God's idea. Work is God's idea. Genesis 1, 26 to 28 the word of God says in Genesis 1, 26 to 28, that so God created man in his own image, male and female, and God said to them, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over it. And if you see Genesis 2, 15, 19, and the, the references are in, in your outlines, 3, 17 to 18, and Exodus 29, it is clear that God created man, and the first thing that God said to man was work, was tend the garden. So the first command God created, gave to man, was to what? Was to work. So we were created to work. We were created to work. So God wants us to go to work. God wants us to work. God wants us to keep working. In fact, the problem only came when man fell. Work came before the fall. It is the curse that said, with your sweat, will you work? In other words, now becomes laborious. That is the problem. And that's what Jesus came to take away. But work still exists. Praise the name of the Lord. Yeah, I know some people say, oh, Jesus has come. There's no need to work. You will drink gallium sulfate. If you, don't, you know what gallium sulfate is? God wants us to work. In fact, people call the, the Garden of Eden is like, an, is like paradise. And there is work in paradise. But the image of paradise we, we have is that we are under a coconut tree in front of in a beach drinking, you know, um, pina colada, virgin pina colada, not the and just enjoying the breeze, you know. We think that's what working, that is what life is, that is what paradise is. But we see in the word of God that in the Garden of Eden, God said to Adam, Work, work came before woman. God gave Adam work before he gave him a woman. 
some people didn't get that. <laughs> Let me explain to you. If you are single, you need to sort out your work first. If the girls are saying you are handsome, they are deceiving you. Go and find what? Work. There was a work. So work is not a curse. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. We were made in the image of God, in God's image, and God is a worker. We're made in God's image, and God is a worker. Pastor, how do you know? John 5, 17. John 5, 17. The word of God says that, this is Jesus speaking, saying, my father is, how many times does he work? He's always at his work to, to this very day. What did, God did not stop working after creating the heavens and the earth. Till this very day. And because my father is working, I too am what? Because I'm not a bastard. Because my father is working, I am also working. So, you know, many times we get it twisted and we think that, oh, if we can just work less or we think that a life that is void of work is the life that God wants us to live. On the contrary, God wants us to consistently produce. He wants us to continue to produce until we see him. In fact, many of you will be surprised when you get to heaven. I don't know. But if God is still working, maybe we rest when we get to heaven. I don't know. But the key thing is that right now, we are to engage. And we are to work. And that is what God wants for us. Um, Tim Keller, some, some um, pastor, he said, a Christian is one who stops working to be saved, not one who stops working. Unfortunately, we turn it around. We continue to work to be saved, and we stop to work. There's nothing you can do to be saved by your strength. Jesus has completed the work on the cross of Calvary. Praise the name of the Lord. So, but sometimes we want to add some work. God is saying no. The only work you need to add is after you are saved, work. Sometimes, and I think I'm going to talk about it later, even if you are wealthy enough that if you never work, you have all the money you need, God still wants you to work. Amazing. It still does. Why? Because the, the life he's giving you is a gift from him. So we should stop seeing work as... as, as, as because and start seeing work as the blessing. We should stop seeing work as the labor, the necessary evil of life. And start seeing work as being like our father. There's a huge shift that needs to happen. Stop seeing work as, ah, I'm going to work. And when you it's Friday for those whose work ends on Friday. Oh, TGIF. Thank God it's Friday. <laughs> if you are always excited when it's Friday, and not excited when it's Monday, you need realignment. And you will get it today. In the name of Jesus. You will. Number two, not only is work God's idea, God uses work to supply my needs. Like our sister said, my daily bread. God uses work to supply my needs. Write this down, Proverbs 14.23. is not in your notes. Proverbs 14.23 says, work and you will earn a living. If you sit around talking, you will become poor. God wants us to work and earn a living. In fact, in 2 Thessalonians 3, 7 to 8, Paul was saying, we were not idle 
when we were with you. On the contrary, we worked night and day. We worked, how, how did we work? Night and day, laboring and toiling so that we will not be a burden to any of you. Work is a tool that God uses to supply our needs. God uses work to supply our needs. There's an article from um, LA Times, an editorial actually, from LA Times. And when I read it, I was, I mean, I was like, what? Do people still think like this? I mean, these guys are spoiled, quote unquote. Let me read this editorial. You know what an editorial is? Editorial is, you know, that part of the newspaper that, you know, is written by the editor, da, 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 da. Now, listen to the editorial, early times. It says, there has been a lot of criticisms of people who do not want to work, especially when they are on welfare. Most people prefer to work, and that's fine. But others may prefer to sit in the park, go to the beach, or observe the wonders of nature. Now, those who dislike working should not be penalized by depriving them of benefits of our society. There's plenty for all. Everyone does not feel the same way about working. Some have built-in feelings about it that makes them very unpleasant for them to work, especially when it is required. This could be looked upon as a handicap. We don't punish people that have handicap, do we? Our society provides for them and should do the same for those with natural dislike for work. Why can't we live and let others live and each other live with his own style? Early times. You know, I, I, I don't want to say funny things about the Western world. But I think sometimes, I think they think upside down. <laughs> okay. I know you have your pens on your hands, so you can't clap well. I know. I mean, how can you say that? It's okay. It's like, it's like what about people that are handicapped? People are different. Some people are born to like to work. Some people are born not to like to work. All our children will like to work. And you will like to work. (laughs) Because God wants you to to work. In fact, the word of God says in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, this is Paul, he went on to say, if a man will not work, He should not. If a man will not, he should not. You know, it didn't say if a man cannot work. There are some people that cannot work legitimately. If they have a problem, they are sick or what have you. That's that's not what the Bible is saying. The Bible is saying if a man will not work, he should not eat. A man that is eating and not working is disobeying scriptures. A man that is able to walk, check his hands. They are there. He has two legs. He can carry pong pong. He can walk. Say, but pastor, I mean, sometimes, you know, I have mothers that have 20 four-year-old sons that refuse to work, just want to play game from morning till night, and says, oh, I forwarded my applications. They're not calling me for interview. Morning till night, you are playing game, and you are the mother, you are feeding that child, you are disabling scriptures. You are disobeying scriptures. 
If he's over 18, he's a man. Put it up again. If a man will not walk, he should not eat. And the church say, yeah. <laughs> You know, many times, you know, that's, that's the word of God. There's nothing anybody can do about it. He said, but Pastor, what if there's no There is always work. There is what? There is always work. There may not be the work you like. There may not be the work that fits your status. Your persistent status. You don't have work. You are saying you have status. What status do you have? <laughs> Excuse me. no status. You are out of status. Bottom line, the man that doesn't work should not eat. It's, it's very simple. That, it will, that boy will wake up. I'm telling you. In fact, I just love my mom. There was a time I was working in the sense that I was, I was writing software. But I, I needed a job because I knew I needed a job to, get a, to, to really understand the industry and all that. And my mom got a job for me at some insurance company. I wanted a job in IT. I didn't want some to sell insurance. Or they said, oh, it's the IT department of that insurance. I said, I'm not even interested. You know what she said to me? She said to me that this is your software things you are doing cannot put a roof over your head now. You are staying under my roof. Take this job or pack out. <laughs> Guess what I did? I, 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 making, I, I didn't say that like that. Now I will take the job. Now listen. I took the job in less than one month. God opened the door to the industry I wanted. In less than a month. And I've been a year without it. Sometimes you just need to take this step forward. And the doors will open. If a man will not work, he no loves for loafers. That's what he's saying. No, no loaves for loafers. <laughs> Proverbs 16.26 says, Hunger is good if it makes you work to satisfy it. In other words, if you make that boy go hungry and it will make him work, it's good for him. That's what, that's what the word of God says. It's good for him. That's not in your notes. You may want to write it down. If anyone, it goes on to say in, in Timothy, 1 Timothy 5, 8, if anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith. He's not even a Christian. That's, that's what the Bible says. And it's worse than an unbeliever. <laughs> you know, it's... You know, it's you have Christians, unbelievers. This is even worse than an unbeliever. If any man will not provide for his own household, that's what the word of God says. So number one, work is God's idea. Number two, God uses work to what? To supply my needs. Number three, work develops my character. Work develops my character. Work develops my character. In fact, God uses work as a testing ground for us. He uses work as a, as a crucible where you, where you put stuff through fire. God uses work as a testing ground for us. In Luke 16, verse 10 to 12, Luke 16, 10 to 12 says, whenever he can 
whoever can be trusted, rather, with very little can be trusted with what? With much. If you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? If you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, everybody underline someone else's property, who will give you your own? Your job is a classroom for character development. You may not like your boss, but God is using your boss for your good. You may not like your colleagues, but they are the pepper that needs to take you to where God wants you to be. You may not like the hours. You may not like the stress, but God is using your work to put the right things in you. You learn patience at work. How many people know you learn patience at work? You will learn patience. You learn diligence. You learn consistency. In other words, you don't need to feel like going to work. You just go to work. You know, someone says, oh, pastor, I don't feel like going to work. So I didn't go to work on Monday and Tuesday. What will happen on Wednesday? You face the music. Work builds character in us. And God uses it to build and develop character in us. In fact, the most, when you walk through the door, when you come back home at the end of the month and you walk through the door, the most important thing you bring back from work is not your salary. The most important thing you bring back from work is you. When you walk through that door, the most important thing you bring back from work is you. What has happened to you in that span of time? So, when considering a job, the question to ask is not, what will I make? The question should be, what will I become? When you have two, three, four job offers before you, the question is not, oh, how much will I make? Which job is going to pay more? Which one is going to is more profitable. Of course, profit is important. But the first thing, the critical thing, is what will I become? It's not every door as a business person that opens to you, that you pursue. Why? Because some doors will just take you down the drain. So the question is not how much am I going to make in this deal. The question is what will I become by the time it's done? What will I become? That is the question. So number one, work is God's idea. Number two, God uses work to supply my needs. Number three, work develops my character. And number four, work allows me to be generous. Work allows me to be generous. I hope everybody's writing. Everybody writing? Good. Work allows me to be what? To be generous. Work allows me to be generous. God uses the fact that you have an income to help other people, to be a blessing to your family, to be a blessing to your parents, to be a blessing to everybody around you. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 28. Ephesians 4.28. The word of God says in Ephesians 4.28. We must work doing something useful with our own hands so that we may have something to share with those in need. You know, when, when, when Pastor um, Chaladewale was here, he was talking about some people, they, they think it's their right for you to give them stuff. They even quote scriptures to you that God says you should take care of the poor, that they are the poor. It's okay, we'll keep taking care of the poor if you want to remain there. And, and I, when he was talking, I was saying, in the name of Jesus, there's nobody like that in God's favorite house. There's no one that feels entitled to handouts in God's favorite house in Jesus' name. Amen. So, but God wants us in God's favorite house to have more than enough so that we can give 
to everyone around us and help the people that need, that in need. And like I said earlier on, God might have us keep working just to help others in need. You have enough money. You have enough passive investment. If you don't work till you pass on, you are fine. Your children are fine. But God will have you to keep working. Why? Because of, so that you can be a blessing to a whole lot of other people. So, work allows me to be generous. Number five. So, number one, work is God's idea. Number two, God uses work to supply my needs. Number three, work develops my character. Number four, work allows me to be generous. Number five, my work is an example to others. My work is an example to others. First Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 11. It says, make it your aim to live a quiet life, to mind your own business and earn your own living. In this way, you will do what? Win the respect of those who are not believers. Action speaks louder than words. Many times we talk about Jesus, we talk about Jesus, we talk about Jesus. And at work, our work is lousy. We are the ones coming late to work. We are the first to leave. Once we are just waiting, if you close at six, you are just waiting. Once it's boom, six, you are out of the door. And the unbelievers are looking at you and they're like, hmm, Christians. What we should learn is that the quality of our work is actually the greatest witness of our faith. The quality of our work is one of the greatest witnesses of our, of our, witnesses of our faith. When people see the quality of your work and they're like, they want to be, everybody, you see, Quality, excellence always inspires people. When people see someone that has quality and excellence, they want to get close to you. And if you're a child of God and Jesus is on your inside, when people get close to you, what do they discover? Jesus. They discover Jesus. Remember Daniel. Daniel didn't carry a megaphone and was saying in the kingdom of... Um, of, of, of is it Dairos now? Oh... Jehovah is great. No, he didn't, he didn't bother. The quality of his work spoke for him. Joseph, same thing. The quality of his work spoke for him. The quality of your work should speak for you. And God wants us to work in a way that our works will be examples to others. To the question for you and I, is that is your workplace better off without you? Is it better off without you? If, if they take you out of, of your department at work, is it better off without you? I remember, you know, when, when you are adding value, you, you don't even worry when they say, okay, they, they want to terminate people's employment. You just laugh and walk away. Do you understand? If you are on paid employment, same thing. If you are a business person and you have satisfied customers, you don't worry. Why? Back in the day when I was in paid employment, I mean, there was a time it was like, oh, they're going to, they need to fire some managers, some guys at the top, you know, because their salary is huge so that, you know. And I wasn't worried. You know why I wasn't worried? The last time I checked, my unit was making 80% of the whole company's revenue, and there are five senior managers. Five of us report to the CEO. 
and my unit makes 80% of... Why should I worry? The people that should be worried should be worried. <laughs> the point is that when your work is excellent, you don't worry. So the question is, if they take your unit out, take you out, will your organization be better off? Or will they feel the vacuum immediately? I'm not saying, don't know, answer it. Just answer it to yourself. In, in your business, if you, if you take your business out of your industry, for instance, will anybody miss it? Or will customers just go somewhere else and say, oh, well, we didn't even know a business existed in this place before. And as a church, we are asking ourselves, in this community, God forbid, if God's favorite house were not to exist, will this community miss us? They will miss us. <laughs> but the key thing is this. We have not even started yet. We are just about to engage to get one. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> we are just still revving, you know. And God will help us in Jesus' name. We need to ask ourselves these tough questions. Why? Because Matthew 15, Matthew 5, sorry, 13 to 16 says, you are the light of the world. If you take light out of the world, will, will the world feel it? If, if they take light out of your world, will your world feel it? It says you are the salt of the earth. If you take salt out of the soup, will the soup feel it? That's what God wants for you and I. And your workplace is the most strategic place to reach people for God. Your workplace is the most strategic place to reach people that are far from God. Your workplace is the most strategic place. Because we spend most of our time there. Someone says, oh, pastor, my office people, they are a bunch of idiots. Someone says, ah, pastor, they are all pagans. If you hear them, all of them, they are all cussing. In fact, I need to block my ears sometimes when I go to the office. You know what? The question is, why did God put you there? Why did God put you there? God put you there because you are the light. Where do you put light? In a dark room. In a dark room. Oh, the people in my class, they are very lousy. That's why you are there. To put them straight, that's why you are there. So number six. Number one, God Work is God's idea. Number two, God uses work to do what? Supply my needs. Number three, work develops my character. Number four, work allows me to be generous. Thank you. Number five, my work is, is an example to others. Number six, work gives me respect. We touched on that in number five. Work gives me respect. Everybody here wants to be respected. There's nobody here that doesn't want to be valued or appreciated. There's nobody here that, that, doesn't want to, that wants to feel like trash, like without value. Everybody here wants to be valued. And work gives you that. First Thessalonians 4, 11. Sorry, Proverbs 22, 29. Proverbs 22, 29 says... Do you know a hard-working man? He shall be successful and stand before kings. There is a sense of honor and dignity that results from legitimate work. You know, they did a research and they found out that the number one reason for depression is what? Low self-esteem. Guess the solution to low self-esteem? Work. Dignifying work. The number one reason for depression is low self-esteem. 
So you have to walk. You have to clear your head and walk. And, and, and God has built certain emotions and emotional rewards to work that only work can deliver. There are certain emotions that we can only feel when we've done a good job. Praise the name of the Lord. In finishing um, university, I didn't get saved until close to my final year. So I didn't really get into the mix of all my friends that got saved, all my new friends that got saved at year one. Some even entire university saved. And one key thing that was common when we were leaving school was, oh, I need to pray for God's will. If it's God's will for me to walk or not, I, I used to be confused. How can it not be God's will for you to walk? <laughs> oh, we need to do God's will. But guess what? I discovered that it is God's will for you to walk. So go and walk. Say to your neighbor, go and walk. Go and walk. Find a job. Get a job. I remember my, my you know, very first job. I was in secondary school from five. And my very first job I think from four, from, from four, there about. I was, my mom had a lesson, which is after school, students from different schools come to our lesson. And she enrolled me as a math teacher for people doing GSS exam. At that time, they started the GSS system. All the new breed people. I would do GSS here. I want to pose a little bit. <laughs> How do we do form five? Hey, those are the few of us. See? Doc, you did the form five, my friend. You did the SS3. <laughs> now, the point is this. That was my first job. She said I could teach them. And I was passionate. And I taught them math. And guess what? They all blasted the exams. The joy of having all your students, not just, just getting A's and A's and A's. That was the first time I felt the joy of a job well done. Praise the name of Allah. And ever since I've been teaching, I've not stopped teaching. <laughs> Amen. So expose your children. And she paid me. I think 35 naira or something. A month. It was a lot. A lot. I can never forget the first 35 naira I got. Oh boy. Expose your children to work early. Let them feel. There are two things, you know. All this while I've been talking, I have actually not mentioned money. Because the key thing is the satisfaction. The money will come. The money will come. The money is actually a byproduct. But unfortunately, we make the money the what? The priority. And to, to really understand this, Walk, if you imagine. So you see, daily bread made it. Identity made it. Century made it. Destiny made it. Bills didn't make it. Getting rid of boredom didn't make it. Survive really didn't make it. Now, think of it like this. 
Walk. Has two components. Two components. Job. Calling. Now, there's a difference between your job and your call. There's a huge difference between your job and your call. What a lot of people are doing is a job. Now, if you just do the job, really, you will not, you, you'll be um, waiting for Friday to come and dreading Mondays whenever they come. Now, to help us get this, to save time, I've highlighted, I've um, enumerated the differences. Your job is what you are paid to do. Your call is what you are made to do. Huge difference. Your call requires your brain. Your call requires your brain. Sorry, your, your job requires your brain. Your call, on the other hand, requires your heart. Your job is about the tasks. You do the tasks to get paid. Your call is about the mission. All the tasks is just about the mission. The reward for your job is money. The reward that the call gives is meaning. So we, we have folks that are earning money but lack meaning. So if you if you if you if you just you go to the university to get skills so that you can do some tasks and get paid for what you are doing. So you actually are trained, we all are trained from ground up to to do a job and, and there's nothing wrong with that and that's fantastic in itself. However, the purpose of this kind of teaching is to realize that you have a calling. There's a call. There's something you were made to do that is from your heart. That's a mission you are to accomplish that will bring meaning to your life. Not just something you are paid to do that is from your brain, that is a set of tasks that puts money in your pocket. It is a calling. Now, when... You have your job. Intersect with your call. You have what we call a sweet spot right there. That is what everybody wants. In fact, that is what everybody should push towards. Now, how do I achieve this? How do I push towards this? How, do I, how am I able to bring those two worlds together? Because sometimes they are different worlds and they are, and they are disconnected. Sometimes you go to do a job and you go somewhere else to fulfill your call. Sometimes you, some, some people are, are called to, to motherless babies, but they are bankers. So they go to the bank Monday to Friday, sometimes close early so that they can go to the motherless homes to serve and to volunteer and to fulfill their call. Sometimes they, they, there's no intersection. But what happens is that such a person will, if you want to be all that God wants you to be, should work 
at. Making this happen or the call totally swallowing up the job. In fact, there's no space. You can have something like this. The call and the job. Now, are we together? Okay. Because everybody is very quiet. Is it because we are getting it? Okay, fantastic. Now, this sweet spot is, it could be an intersection or it could be a subset of the big, of the, of the core. Your job and your core can intersect or your core can actually swallow up the job. That is, if that woman that works in the bank and once she closes at the bank, she runs to the motherless baby home to volunteer, take care of the children. If she's able to, um, uh, maybe she gets an inheritance and she now builds her own motherless baby home, guess what? She will be resuming there. And that will be the job and that will be the call. But sometimes, that's not what God wants. God actually wants people to in the bank and still fulfill the call. So, so what does it do? Or sometimes people discover their call in the job. So, so, so what does it do? Let me give you an example. There was a, there was a story of a policeman that became very popular um, on CNN and Fox TV and all that. This policeman, he discovered that his calling was to... Um, Make sure people are safe. So in his church, he joined um, the intercessors. So he joined, he joined the prayer people that will be praying for protection of the city, praying for protection. So that is what he, he was doing in church. That was his call. But he felt he needed to do more, so he joined the police force. So he got a job. Then one day, he, he caught a, a single mom um, that was driving without a car seat. She didn't have money to get a car seat. And in, in that um, country, you know, Niger, just through the China at the back. <laughs> Niger style. In that country, if you drive without a car seat, a child, it's, it's, it's an offense. So he caught the, 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 the single mom. She didn't have money to buy a car seat. And the baby was there. And he could have given her a ticket and she could have just gone through the trouble paying for whatever um, the law demands. But instead, he told her to follow him to Walmart. He got to Walmart. He bought her a car seat. And for him, he has done his job. Rather than just giving her a ticket, he solved the problem. He didn't even give her a ticket. And guess what? You know, God is just amazing. I don't know how the news got out. The news got out the press was all over him that that is what policing should be. Guess what? His 30-year mortgage, one man says he's paying for everything. So he was just doing his job, fulfilling his call. God took care of his accommodation. Now some people, they will go and steal to try and pay off their mortgage. They do all sorts of crazy things. But God is saying to you today, walk. And that walk we have a job and a call. When your call swallows up your job, what you have is a sweet spot. When you have to the sweet spot you will be paid to do what you are made to do. Your brain will sink with your heart. The task will be about the mission. And your money will have a meaning. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family 
and friends. God bless you. Tell it in